0: Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line. Connor Tate is going to round third. He will score. And rounding third is Blelloch. He will score. And the Dogs rock it If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right, the right, right place. His third down. Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play at 4. From the pocket. Launching downfield! Underthrown and intercepted! Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines! All the way to the end zone! And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide! Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia! on the mountaintop demons be gone and the drought is over national champions at long last just sit back relax and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. It has been a couple weeks since we've been able to be on. Uh, one week was my fault, one week's Jonathan's fault, because we're just traveling around and doing stuff around the holiday seasons and everything going on, so we apologize for that. Uh, but we did want to make sure we were here for you guys this week before, or after Georgia Tech, and then obviously before the biggest game of the season against Alabama the SEC Championship game. So we've got a lot to cover today going to recap a little bit of yesterday's game but probably spend most of our time focusing on the Alabama uh, game upcoming and then the playoff implications that this game might have as we look forward to the rest of the season uh glad to see you guys jumping in the comments already Dan Zach and uh Mr. Stan Williams we appreciate all of y'all being in here uh and Claire as well thank you for joining uh, everybody, and I uh, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, a great weekend, the time with family and friends, and uh, we're ready to to get back into the football, you know, swing of things. And Jonathan, how we feeling?
2: Doing great, you know. Got to take the week off from school last week. Ended up taking the week off from work as well, which you know, love hate that. You know, always love a good break, sometimes away from the grind. But man. Always hate missing shows and seeing other people, you know, Brooks and Christian and you. And I mean, that part sucks, but, you know, Thanksgiving week is great. Got to watch a lot of football, got to eat a lot of great food, got to spend a lot of great time with family. And, yeah, you did skip Roots. Roots, thank you Rudes, for also being my here. my bad,
1: brother. All I mean, my I did
2: not. I did not mean to skip you. I was trying to do
1: it real quick as I was, like, going through my little quick <laughs> intro. Roots, I, I definitely did not
2: forget about you. I apologize for that. Uh, you know I love you. But yeah, I mean, great week of that. Georgia, Georgia Tech game, while well, it was a night game, which is first time since I think 2009, so that's been a hot minute. Uh, maybe a lot would have been better if it was in Athens, of course, but it was in Atlanta. Maybe not the greatest of football games, but hey, main goal was you finish 12-0 in the regular season and you get into the SEC championship game. You've checked off two of those things. Three straight perfect seasons, Stoddard, or perfect regular seasons, Stoddard. How crazy is that? Three years in a row now, 36-0 and in the regular season. I mean, that is just – we just need to take a minute and sit there and realize how big of an accomplishment that uh, that in itself is. You know, even the, the, the two national titles, of course, that's that's um, sugar on top, but three straight undefeated regular seasons. I mean, what does losing even feel like anymore? I can't even remember what it feels like, to be honest. I, I You don't
1: know what it feels like to lose at this point in the regular season. It has been one of those things that uh – uh you know you don't you don't know what it feels like to lose as a Georgia fan anymore. You haven't lost a game in a couple of seasons at this point. You're you're 29 games in winning straight, and that's an SEC record at this point. And now you're going for 30 against Alabama this weekend, but it literally doesn't feel like. Anything like you don't expect to lose every Saturday at this point, you don't expect to lose during the regular season three years in a row. Like I've looked at like going into last season, we looked at the schedule ahead of time and said, I don't see a game that you lose this year. We went into this season saying, "I don't see a game that you lose this year." When you look at the regular season schedule, and that's something that's in, impossible to think about when you go to three straight years doing that. And yeah, you have a, a loss mixed in there, uh, you know, against Alabama in the SEC championship game, but then you ended up winning a national championship, anyways. And so you don't really think about that anymore. It kind of gets wiped away from you. Georgia fans are extremely spoiled at this point, and it's it's a great thing to be like. This is the best moment as a Georgia fan in everyone's life, you know, outside of the people that were around, you know, in 1980, and those couple years where they were going to the national championship and playing for it for so many years. But I would say it's even better than that, because back then they only won one of them. They were just having good seasons, getting up to it, and then they would lose. Georgia's won two in a row, gone undefeated three straight seasons in the regular season and has a good opportunity to go for a three-peat this year. You do have a huge hurdle on Saturday. Uh, against Alabama, which you are a five-point favorite in, I think, is the last I saw That's it. So point. we'll see how that changes over the week. Uh, but, you know, you go through a game like that. You're, you're you're going into a game against Georgia Tech this past week and yesterday, and you think you're going to blow them out. The spread's 24 points, I think. And uh, guess what? You kind of take one on the chin for a little bit because Georgia Tech came out playing – and something I did not expect to say after this game was I have a lot of respect for what Brent Key and Buster Faulkner and them are doing over there at Georgia Tech. And, and the offense that they have done, I noticed that. I haven't really paid attention to Georgia Tech this season until you had posted the the, uh, the stat thread on Monday last week going into the game. And I looked at it and I was reading through it and I was like, dang. And I have a, a good friend of mine that's a Georgia Tech fan. And I even texted him, I said, man. Georgia Tech's got a good offense this year. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. surprised. Like, of years past, they got away from the triple option. They had to get to a traditional style. They had to get some players in there to do it. And they actually are scoring some points. They're scoring a decent amount of points a game. Problem is, they give up a lot of points. That's why they're losing a lot of the games this year and ended up 6-6. and But they came out there, and Buster was definitely in his bag against Georgia on Saturday.
2: I mean, there's a reason why many love Buster Faulkner during his time at Georgia. You know, there was quite a few people that thought when Todd Munkin was headed out the door that Buster Faulkner might be the guy that steps into that offensive coordinating role for Georgia. But then, of course, he goes ahead and takes the OC gig over at Georgia Tech. Probably best for him and best for George as well because Jordan ended up with Mike Bobo. And now Georgia Tech is over there rolling with Buster Faulkner. The only downside for Georgia Tech is I don't know how much longer you get to hold on to Buster Faulkner at Georgia Tech because, boy, oh, boy, people are going to be calling his name, trying to get him to be the OC of their football team at some bigger jobs. But, yeah, Buster Faulkner called an incredible game. I mean, really, Georgia Tech – All they need – you know, they got into Haynes King. Hanks King is a good quarterback. We saw him flash a little bit over at Texas A&M, so you got yourself a quarterback. The running back was really impressive. The running game in general was super impressive, but that also has to do with the fact that, you know, it's kind of what Georgia Tech has always had at quarterback. They've had an athlete – And Haynes King is exactly that. I wouldn't necessarily call him a dual threat, but I mean, he definitely adds into the run game and he is very much a runner at the quarterback position. And it's a very unique way. It was a very different style of Georgia Tech football in the sense of it's not just pure triple option football. We're going to run our head into a wall for the entire four quarters of a football game. It was just a big... You know, they kind of sprinkled in some passing games and, you know, they had the big pass to Brett Scyther, who is also a former Bulldog, Dominic Blaylocks over there. So they've gotten some good athletes in the transfer portal. I've always said there is no excuse for Georgia Tech to be as bad as they have been for the last 10 years or so, because Georgia is a hotbed for recruits. And if whoever Georgia isn't recruiting or whoever Georgia isn't getting, Georgia Tech should be getting a lot of those leftovers and they should be getting a lot of those other athletes that are in the state of Georgia. And you should be a competitive football team. And that's what they've turned into under Brent Key. And that's what they they have a great offense under um, Buster Faulkner. The only problem is your defense still is just pretty abysmal. And so, but once yeah. they get those things straight out, you know, if this rivalry does continue, maybe this does get a little more interesting in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I would say and I, after sitting there and uh, I was standing on the field and I was actually around – Uh, Some of the Georgia Tech players were out of the box, like the ones that weren't actually playing. They're wearing sweats in their jersey and stuff, but they were actually out of the coach's box down to like the 15-yard line. So they were almost in my way. I was about to get mad at a couple of them a few times during the game. and then, uh, But I was sitting there listening to them talk, and I I even said to one of them at one point, I was like, man – y'all are going to be competitive in this game in the next few years under Brent Key cuz I really do think that you you're on the right trajectory right now like seeing what he's doing it's, it's it is going to take some time to build it up i always say you have to give a head coach 3 to 4 years At any program, no matter where it is, whether it's, you know, Alabama when Saban retires or it's, you know, Georgia, if something ever happened with Kirby or, you know, right now we're looking at uh, Billy Napier in Florida. You know, uh, they're struggling. They went five and seven this year after losing last night to FSU. You still have to give him at least two more years, in my opinion, to see if he gets those recruits coming in and can actually change the environment and change the structure of that program. And so for Brent Key, it's the same thing you know, it's his first year as a head coach and he went six and six, he's bowl eligible. And I can't remember. I don't think they went bowl eligible last year with Jeff Collins. I don't think they made it. No way. I th- Well, I think they were close. They might've had like five wins or something. They were close last year. I had to look back. If somebody wants to say that in the comments, that'd be great. But um, I, they weren't, Quite there. But anyways, you take over and you get them both eligible this year. Like you're talking about, the offense has been a lot better than what we've seen over the past few years. They've been in big games this year. They've won some big games. They should have beat Louisville at one point this year. You know, they beat Miami this year. They've had some good games, and so they're not a terrible football team anymore, but it does take a couple more seasons. I'd say you got to give them two to three more years to see if he can build that program up. And I think that I'm not saying they beat Georgia in the next two to three years. But they will be – I bet you anything that in the next two to three years, Georgia and Georgia Tech is a game that it's not going to be a 24-point spread anymore. It's probably like a 10-point spread or something a lot closer or something that people are expecting a little bit better of a game moving forward because I think they're on the right trajectory. They definitely played a lot better than people expected yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean, and just going over the game in, in general, I mean, obviously nobody expected this to be an eight point win for Georgia. Like you mentioned, it was a 24 point spread for in favor of Georgia. Now, when I looked at that spread, I was like, wow, that's a lot of points. I don't know that I would be taking that. I don't know that Georgia's going to cover that because I did know what Georgia Tech on, had on offense. I figured that they would be able to score points. And then you get in the football game and, you know, one of biggest one of Georgia's biggest enemies this season has been the first possession on defense. Teams have gone down the field and scored and you get a stop and you're like, oh, gosh, maybe Georgia is just going to route these guys today. Maybe they showed up for business and they're going to just take it to them. And the game ends up being closer than what you thought. But I think, you know, a lot of things played into that. First things first, you didn't have Brock Bowers. You knew you probably weren't going to have LaMichael McConkey and you didn't have him. Raquel Tommy you didn't have him either. I, that's like seventy-five percent of your receiving offense this year between yep. those three guys. I mean, that is a big chunk of your production in the receiving game. So you didn't have any of those guys, and then you turn. You have some weird turnovers, like you and I mentioned um, when we were talking before the show, like the fumble on like the very first offensive possession. Yeah. That's Easy. just weird, man. You know, stuff that was happening. In the very first was, play they ran on offense, yeah, too. Exactly. So just, you know, weird fumble. And then even the Carson Beck interception, as frustrating as it was, it seems like every Carson Beck interception this year has been like, yeah. golly, like just a freak tip bounce and went into the defender's hands. And they got a, they got a turnover off of it. Same thing when they played Ole Miss, it was like Carson Beck threw a good ball. It just freaking bounced the wrong way. And the defender got it. It actually happened twice. That almost in that game.
1: happened earlier. Yeah, that yeah. happened earlier. It just got reversed because it happened to hit the ground, but it popped up and it got picked off. And I was sitting there watching. I was like, they're, uh, on the big screen, they wouldn't give you a good replay or slow enough oh, to really tell. That they, they wouldn't give you a slow enough replay to be able to tell if it hit the ground. And so I'm sitting there watching like, I really hope that hit the ground. I really do because like that's not an intercepting like pass. Like that is a terrible pass to get picked off. Like it's at the ground. It it could be caught. It shouldn't be an interception by any means. And luckily they finally got a good view at some point and showed that it hit the ground and I was very relieved. I'm- because that would have been that would have been two in that game. That would have been like crazy, bounced up, all the stuff like that picked off. Uh, but Georgia spotted them 14
2: points off those two turnovers. Yeah. I mean, that's been, that's I mean, a big that's kind deal. Of been a sto- there's been a story of the defense. If, if the offense is going to turn the ball over, it's typically going to result in points for the defense. I mean, pretty much if, if Georgia turns the ball over, you can go ahead and put seven points up on the board because it puts a defense in a tough situation. And, you know, it's tough to bounce back from that defensively, especially when you got some momentum rolling it for them. But you, you want to talk about bad production. You know, you were saying you didn't get any replays in the stadium. The TV production that ABC put on on Saturday was one of the worst I have ever had to sit through and watch. Let, let me tell you, Stoddard, every play that was challenged, every play that was reviewed, this is what would happen. We would see one replay of it. And then it would be a three-minute commercial break. We would come back, and the decision would already have yep. been discussed and made, and we wouldn't even – like, we wouldn't even almost – most of the time, we didn't even listen to the refs say what happened. The, the freaking analyst would tell you, oh, well, they decided that it was an incomplete pass or whatever. It was horrible. So I felt like after every I play, we sat for
1: three minutes. I noticed that. I noticed that like two or three times because I saw that the red hat was still on the stadium and it was or still on the field. And it showed like a minute and a half left in the commercial break or whatever. And the ref would literally come out in the middle of that and tell us what happened. And so I knew that had to be what was going on because like they literally the ref didn't even wait until the TV timeout was over. He would come out on the field with a minute and a half left in the commercial break and tell you he did that two or three times that I can remember. And it was just yeah, that's bizarre. It was horrible. that's a weird. I don't think I've ever seen them do that before.
2: It was a horrible but production this, all around. This
1: refing crew wasn't the best in the world in the first place, so I'm not going to blame the game on like penalties. I, I hate when people do that. So I'm not. There were some questionable calls, uh, but there were also a couple calls that I saw that could have gone against Georgia for in favor of Georgia Tech that did not as well. So I'm not going to say it was like a ref reasoning in this game. But uh, going back to what you know, I asked the question in the chat, uh, biggest takeaways from from the game yesterday and Roots was posting a couple of things on there. Uh, Yeah, edge defense is still hurting you. The people that run the stretch run and and quarterback run on the outside is getting you pretty heavy. Uh, You are correct that your DBs should not be leading team in tackles in a game. Uh, But one thing I wanted to focus on that you talked about was the inside linebacker play. I noticed um, in the first half of this game, we had Raylan Wilson out there. We had Jalen Walker out there. Like guys that don't really play we're out there in the first half of this football game, and that tells you a lot about why those linebackers weren't necessarily in the right places a lot. Smile was kind of on and off the field. He was kind of a limited participant in this game. He wasn't out there all the time, and uh, C.J. Allen was getting a lot of a lot of play one thing I noticed that every time they were throwing downfield, it felt like outside of like, the couple that you saw go towards one of our DBs, like, a lot of them felt like we had a linebacker in coverage. CJ Allen seemed to be targeted several times in that football game. So they found some type of matchup that put him in man coverage against uh, which uh, uh, Haynes, uh, What who is their running back? I can't remember the name. Haynes, something Haynes. I know his last name or was Or Haynes, 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 something. I can't remember. But um he used to be a wide receiver and so you put that guy against your linebacker several times throughout the game and it's a mismatch and they they exploited that all game long they were exploiting that I saw C.J. Allen he made a couple plays but he got beat multiple times as well because it's
2: hard to cover a guy like that for C.J. Allen yeah I mean th- there's even one play though where he was step for step with the running back it was the ball kind of down the right side of the of the boundary. And I mean, I was like, whoa, I was like, who the heck was in coverage? I was like, is that freaking CJ Allen? I mean, it was a deep ball down the boundary and he was in pretty good coverage. I mean, it was about as good of coverage as you could ask from your inside linebacker. And, you know, I think and that's why I think this game, I don't think Georgia fans should take it too much to heart um, from this Georgia Tech game just because. It was just one of those end-of-the-season classic Georgia games where Georgia goes in there, they don't beat a team like we think they're supposed to, they kind of struggle a little bit, things don't look the way that we want it to, but Georgia comes out with a win. It happened last year against Kentucky. I know weather had played a role in that, but like just like this year, you know, injuries probably played a role in what, what happened yesterday as well. And I think also the fact that Carson Beck only threw the ball 20 times and you ran the ball a crap ton,
1: I think that just They ran the ball 41 me. times or something like that, didn't they? Something think, crazy.
2: That really just showed me of, like, Georgia came in this game like, we're going to go in there, we're going to run the ball, we're going to do what we need to do to win this game, and then we're going to get out of here and we're going to go focus on Alabama. You can't afford any more injuries, and so I think Georgia was like – Let's just get out of here with a win. It doesn't have to look pretty. It didn't look pretty. You had some things go the wrong way. Georgia Tech played one heck of a football game, but I think that's also something that you should take note of: is Georgia played one heck of a football game, but really the game never fell out of hand. Like nobody, realistically, at least I didn't. I was never sitting there thinking, "Oh, Georgia Tech is about to pull off an upset potentially." I never thought that when they pulled it within eight, you know, and they went for an onside kick. There was never a point in my mind where I was like, oh, wow, Georgia Tech might actually come in here and hand us an L this season. The game always felt like it was under control. And like I said, you got out of there with a win. That was the most important thing. And now you're 12-0 and you're heading to the SEC championship game. And if you look at it on paper, it looks like you had a fantastic season, which you did outside of a couple of games. That's it
1: yeah you know, there was a couple of games last year that we talked about as well that weren't so great, you know that everybody wanted to focus on last season. We had a couple early this season, and they've really hit their stride in the second half of the season up until this game. The last like four or five games prior to this one, you've really been just rolling and haven't really struggled that much you've you've played good, you've been on the right path and um it's It's one of those things that Josh Pate like likes to talk about when you get into November. you can kind of tell the trajectory of a team and see if it's like an off game or something like that or if it's just they are just rolling and you're putting it together and together so like you see that there's just an off game on there, but yeah, Georgia ran the ball thirty nine times and only threw the ball twenty times yesterday. And Georgia, like, I felt like that's the part that kind of bothered me a little bit, but like you didn't have to do it. And the running game was working, especially with Milton. He was just absolutely going crazy. Uh, But after that first touchdown drive, it was a 29 yard touchdown drive to to Dominic Lovett or a a 29 yard touchdown pass to Dominic Lovett. And it was wide open, and I felt like Georgia didn't try to stretch the field in the pass game anymore. They really focused on the run game, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that because it worked, but I feel like there were a lot of yards – that got left on the field because they decided they wanted to focus on the run game, which we knew they were going to do. You know, we have Brooks decided Brooks came out and told everybody prior to the game that it was going to be a run heavy offense because they were going to, they, I think Georgia tech gave up 235 yards a game on the ground prior to that game. And Georgia ran for 282 against them. So if it works, you know, keep doing it, but Georgia could have gotten a little bit more production through the air as well. Um, I just think that wasn't their game plan, and so they didn't do it this time.
2: Yeah, I mean, at one point, Kendall Milton was averaging 10 yards per carry. So at that point, why the heck would you not just keep handing yeah. it to number two and let him Give eat? it to And me. that's exactly what they did. The dude finished with 159 rushing yards. He's had one heck of an end of season. Nobody deserves it more than Kendall Milton. Not to say that Dajon Edwards, of course, isn't deserving of success, which he's already had a lot of success this season, but... Knowing what Kendall Milton has been through over the last three years injury-wise and just kind of yeah. figuring out his way in the lineup and every time he would get back out there, he never looked like his true self. He never looked like that freshman running back that we saw against Auburn and a few times that season where he like, whoa, th- th- that guy's a dude. He lo- he runs hard, he plays physical, and he, breaks the- he makes the first guy miss. That's what we've seen over the last three weeks from Kendall Milton and that's been a joy to watch. You know, I tweeted, I was like, man, I'm so glad that we have gotten to watch Kendall Milton terrorize defenses this year because everybody saw it. Everybody knew that he had it in him to go out there and rush for over 100 yards nearly every freaking game and average six yards or whatever per carry every single time he touched the ball. And that's what we finally got to see. And he's peaking at the right time. And Daison Edwards, like I said, he's been rolling this entire year. He's played well. And I think that one-two yeah. punch between those guys, that's a great thing to have going into this football game against Alabama and it's great going it's great even going in the passing game I'll make this one last point that freaking ball to Dylan Bell that was that was not that was beautiful that was called an incompletion that's a freaking dot so there were still some major highlights from the passing game that weren't necessarily called and weren't necessarily um put into the stat sheet but Carson Beck was still out there dealing
1: uh fun fact on that pass play I almost got laid out because that ball was caught like five yards in front of me and then they're their, motion, their their uh, momentum took them like right towards me on it. It was kind of fun, so I had to kind of scramble for a second there. But uh, going back to Kendall Milton real quick, because I texted this stat to y'all earlier, and I wanted to put it on the show. Uh, in the first seven games that he played this season, he's only played in 10, including this one, so he missed a couple games this season. In the first seven games that he played this season, he only had 295 yards rushing. In the last three games, so going to uh, Ole Miss – Tennessee and Georgia Tech. He had 349 yards rushing, so he went over his season total in three games that he had in seven games prior. Uh, So he is, I think, he's finally healthy. Uh, I was talking to another friend, and you know, they always talked about him. Said he always looked kind of like he run a little timid, and he wasn't quite, he wasn't bursting through a hole and stuff throughout his career. And that is something he has done so well the past couple games where he just gets it and he shoots like a cannonball and just goes. And then he runs through people. He's made people miss. Like He looks like a different type of Kendall Milton that we've seen all year or seen in his career, honestly. And it's I think it's a lot to do with the fact that he feels real healthy and he feels real confident in himself right now. And that's a huge difference maker when you're confident in your abilities and confident in what you're trying to do. You're seeing the hole and you're shooting through it real quick. And I think that's what's changed with him, and I'm I'm, I'm loving seeing it because he's a guy that I've been looking at his entire career and just saying, I know this kid is really good. I know he is. I just don't think we're getting as much as we can out of him. And now he's giving it to you, and like you said a minute ago, at the right time because now we're going into the big stretch of the season. So you showed that you could do it over the last three games, and now we got – you know, Alabama this weekend. And hopefully we got the playoffs coming right after that for a game or two there and going for a national championship. So the next three games, potentially, if he could do the same kind of thing that he's done over the past three games, George is going to be in very good hands. But with, with that one, two punch with Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton.
2: Yeah, let's go ahead and get into this SEC championship matchup between Georgia and Alabama. The matchup that everybody wants to see every single year in the SEC for the last five years. Everybody's been wanting to see Georgia-Alabama every single year, and they've gotten it for the most part. I mean, these te- these two teams have met quite a bit since Kirby Smart has gotten to Georgia, and it's always a fun one. And, and you know it's always going to be a good game. And I think this, this, this week is going to be another one of those close, nail-biting games because both teams are really good, Alabama especially – I think in the month of November they've averaged 46 points per game. So this this is a team that is rolling. This is a team that has found their yep. stride much like Georgia has in the month of November. And jo- both teams are tested at this point. They played some really good really good um opponents. And I think it's just well balanced because I think both teams kind of are the, the same thing deep like both teams great defenses. Both teams have really good secondaries, Terry and Arnold and Cole McKinstry. Both really good corners, and then Caleb Downs, the freshman. That guy's a baller. I know that he's gonna have his freshman mistakes, but that's a playmaker, much like Georgia has in their back end as well. So really interested to see how this goes. One thing that I do think is different from all the years that Georgia has played Alabama, going all the way back to 2021, is the biggest thing for Georgia going into this game was it was the question of: are we is our offense going to be able to hang with theirs? Is our offense going to be able to have success against their defense? Well, this is the best offense you've had under Kirby Smart. This is the most successful yep. offense, if you had the most efficient offense that you've had. So there's no question of if you are going to be able to score points, if you're going to be able to have success. Now it's just a matter of how is the defense going to match up against Alabama's offense now with Jalen Milrow playing some really good football.
1: Jalen Milrow is play. He he came on onto the scene kind of late this year at, at the beginning of the season. It was one of those things you're looking at him, and we even talked. I mean, he got benched, right? Like he got benched after the Texas game. Or before the Texas game, I'm sorry, he got didn't he? Was it before or after the Texas game? I think it was after the Texas game. Mm-hmm. It was so after. they lost to Texas. So the loss to Texas, week three comes in, and they start their backup, and then you know they go to a third quarterback in that game, and they don't even go back to Milrow in game three after going through the other two guys. Uh, the guy from Notre Dame, Buckner, Tyler Buckner, Tyler Buckner and um
2: Simpson, yeah,
1: yeah, Ty Simpson. So Mm -hmm. Tyler Buckner and then Ty Simpson, both of those guys play in that game. They don't go back to Milrow in that, but then in week four after that game, they go back to him and then he started to play a lot better. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not like a world beater in the sense of his stats aren't insane. He's not throwing 3,500 yards and rushing for 700 yards or something like that in the same season, but he has gotten really good, really at the right time. And, um, you know, they almost lost yesterday to Auburn. It literally came down to a muffed punt, gave them the possession they needed, and then they needed a miracle on fourth and 31, and they got it, and that was it. So, uh, you know, good teams find a way to win when you don't think they can. Sometimes luck is involved, and that's okay. Like that they, they are in that situation because they put themselves in a situation that one play could flip the entire game, and it did. So... I don't I don't put that much on it doesn't matter they're playing for the same stakes that they we thought they would be before that game was played afterwards so but Milroe you know he's got about 2500 yards passing 2600 yards passing on the year and he's ran for about 4 uh, 450 yards on the season so that's the part that I'm concerned about because what we have seen against Georgia this season multiple times going back to Spencer Rattler in South Carolina is a quarterback that can run terrorizes our defense at times because we can't seem to contain him. And then now I will say that, you know, he's not exactly a designed quarterback runner as much as he's a scramble and then makes an extra play with his legs afterwards. So it changes things a little bit there. But if you can't contain him in the pocket, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to do that. And you've got to put pressure on him so he can't have all day to figure that out. You know, if you let him sit back there for five seconds looking for a receiver downfield, he's either going to find one or he's going to find a gap to run through. And so that's that's the biggest focus is those edge guys that we've seen have trouble at Georgia this entire season. Is they've got to be able to contain them. They have to. That is
2: key number one for this game on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's one thing that Georgia did a really good job of against Ole Miss, playing a guy like Jackson Dart, who now Jackson Dart. They put design runs in for him, and he very much runs like a running back. He does not run like yeah. a quarterback, and they do a lot of different things with him. But I think that's one thing Georgia did well against him and what they had to do against a guy like Brady Cook as well is you don't pass rush against a guy like Jalen Miro to sack him or to like break into the pocket or anything like that. You have to contain him, and you almost have to like push like a wall like in unison. You have to move up the field together to keep him in the pocket. So that's going to be a big thing for Georgia on Saturday. They've had a lot of reps having to do it this year and so that's a plus side for them, and there's been at times where they have had success against running quarterbacks, but I'm glad you pointed out the fact that Jalen Milrow is not a guy that is looking to run. This is a guy that is looking to scramble. He wants to run outside of the pocket and then throw a deep yep. shot, and it's why their offense has been so successful as of late because they're when they do pass the ball, they're looking to hit it an explosive. They're looking to get it to Jermaine Burton. They're, looting, they're looking to get it to Isaiah Bond for a big gain, and that's also one thing that Georgia does a really good job of is keeping the explosives, maintaining the explosives, especially with how good our secondary is but with that being said one thing that has gotten Georgia especially over the past couple of years is quarterbacks that can scramble around in the pocket a little bit and extend those plays that's when the protection and when the um when the defense kind of breaks up a little bit and we see those big passes i mean that was the story of the Ohio State game couldn't do anything with CJ Stroud and he would just run outside the pocket and he'd find Marvin Harrison or one of those those really good wide receivers that they have for yep. a big gain so that's the big goal for Georgia is you gotta keep him contained. Just like you said, keep him within the pocket. D- make him uncomfortable. Don't let him play his style of, of football. You want to make him be a quarterback, make him be a processor, and make him be decisive with the football.
1: Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. And I'm glad you brought up the Ohio State game because that's the kind of vibe I get from this game. Like you got teams that are scoring, you know, Georgia's just under 40 points a game, I believe, at this point, and Alabama's right around 35 points a game. And like you said, in November they've been scoring a ton you know, averaging 40-plus points in that time frame. And uh, they're they're very similar in the sense of what you're going up against against uh, Ohio State to Alabama this year. You know, not quite as explosive on offense as Ohio State was last year, but they have the same style quarterback play. And, and, you know, the biggest thing is your your defensive backs don't have to worry about him beating you over top a ton because that's not exactly what he plays. But you do have to worry about the style where he scrambles out and buys extra time, because when that happens, you give a guy six, seven seconds, they're going to have a receiver downfield like you just said a second ago. That's what Ohio State did to Georgia. It was the most frustrating thing watching that game in the Peach Bowl last year because, man, he's got all time, all the time in the world. Of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. gets open at some point. Why, how would he not get open after that much time? You can't ask a defensive back to cover him for that long. So that's going to be the biggest thing is that, like I said, containing him in that pocket and then you know maybe have a spy or something to kind of help with it. But I know Georgia doesn't love to spy. They like to have their zone or different ways. Uh, but it, it's a game that you're going to have to kind of have somebody at least keeping an eye on him. If it's not an official spy, you might be running a zone in the middle or something like that, but you need to be very you know, vigilant or vigilant of like what he is doing and paying attention to you know, his motions and kind of stay in front of him. So he doesn't beat you on a big play. Cause that's where Georgia could get in trouble is, you know, if he gets a five, six yard scramble, you know, it is what it is. But if it's a third and eight, and you let them scramble for 12, 13 yards, that's the stuff that's going to kill you. It's like paper cuts at that point. You can't let that happen. Um, and and that's something I want to see from Georgia on Saturday is just kind of keeping him in that pocket. Don't give him too much time and just kind of, you know, just give your defensive backs a chance because they can cover Jermaine Burton. You know, like he's their leading receiver. He's got about 750 yards on the season. He, he's a great receiver. We know that. We know he played well at Georgia. and. It is going to be interesting to see that matchup with him in in you know Atlanta playing against Georgia because he's the type of guy. I'm kind of segueing the conversation for a second just because my brain works that way. That's on me. Uh, <laughs> but he's the type of guy that's. I saw him kind of starting stuff with Auburn, you know, student section kind of flipping them off after the game and doing stuff. I kind of expect some emotion in this game from Jermaine Burton.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the way that Georgia fans have treated that guy since he went to Alabama. I mean, my gosh, you know, I was one of the people that when he transferred and everybody was just dogging him on Twitter. I'm like, guys. Why do you care what Jermaine Burton is doing Doesn't in matter. Alabama? Why, why yeah. are we throwing this guy under the bus? Why are we dogging him? I felt there was no need for it. You know, he helped you get your first national title. He helped you beat Alabama the first time. And if he wants to transfer out because Lad McConkey is starting to get reps from him and he can't find a spot to where he can be the main guy, then whatever. But I mean, yeah, there's obviously going to be emotion for him because I guarantee you, he's seen what's been said about him from Georgia fans on Twitter every single week. I mean, there for a while, every single game he played where he had 13 yards, it was getting blasted all over. Twitter like, oh, Jermaine Burton was hot today. Yeah. One reception, 13 yards, zero touchdowns with all the flame emojis. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of emotion for him there, but there's also going to be a lot of emotion all around that football field because Georgia knows what's at what's at stake this weekend. They know that they yeah, can get to 30 straight victories on Saturday. They know that if they can beat Alabama and Nick Saban two times in a row and go to the college football playoff and knock them out this year, something that they wanted to do in 2021 but failed to, so, there's a lot of emotion in general in this football game. And I'm, I'm just excited for it. I'm excited to see it because I think this is really the first time, you know, even in that 2021 year, Georgia fans and Georgia in general was feeling good about themselves just because Alabama, in a very similar way this year, was coming off of a sketchy game against Auburn. And then coming in the SEC Championship game is like, oh, Georgia should handle them. This, this game shouldn't even be close. And then Alabama routes them but i just you know it's going to be a close game it's going to be a good football game i think these teams are very evenly matched and man it would it would be it would be pretty sweet though to be able to knock alabama out of the playoff i cannot lie Oh,
1: for sure. And Dan, I agree. No love lost for Burton. I wasn't like when he left, that wasn't one of those things that like it killed me. Uh, I was more upset seeing uh, A.D. Mitchell go. Now, when I say that, I don't dislike Burton because he did it at the same time. I'm more indifferent to him at Alabama. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how things play out on Saturday. He gets to come play. That's, That's what I'm saying. I'm indifferent to it. I don't yeah. It really doesn't make a difference. He could go out there and have 150 yards receiving against Georgia. And I'm sure Alabama fans will be like, Hey, I bet you missed this guy. Cause I've already been seeing that over the past couple of days yeah. from Alabama fans. And honestly, no, because you know, we have Ladd Conkey, we have Rara Thomas, we have um, Dominic Lovett and, and Brock Bowers and those guys, they're all playing very well. And honestly, and now Dylan Bell is stepping up a big, a big time for us. Like, we we don't really now he would he would be featured in this offense I feel like I feel especially with Ladd being out like he's been this season I feel like he would have had a big season with us but I'm indifferent it is what it is he's gone you know like doesn't no love lost no no hard feelings let's just let's just get through it and be fine um but let's talk about this cuz you brought this up talking about playoff hopes I want to finish the show kind of talking about the playoff scenario situation like Do you think – I'm going to pose the question to you this way. If Georgia were to lose on Saturday with things kind of the way that they're sitting, do you think Georgia needs help to get in? Because I personally think Georgia would need help to get in if they don't win on Saturday.
2: I definitely think you would need help to get in just because, I mean, you look at the number of one-loss teams – I mean, we know for a fact Michigan's going to be in there. Lord if they lose to Iowa, you should have you didn't deserve anything in this world if you find a way to lose to <laughs> Iowa this weekend. So we're going to go ahead and count Michigan in into the playoff. If Texas wins, of course they're in. And here's the thing too. If Alabama beats Georgia and they get put in and uh, Texas wins, I feel like you got to put Texas in as well. Otherwise we're saying that these regular season wins do not matter. So then at that point, Georgia probably they need they need Florida State to lose. Because undefeated Florida State deserves to be put into the college football you They're not shake losing all to Louisville,
1: that's the thing. No, 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 I'm not arguing with you.
2: They're not losing to Louisville, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. And then Oregon, you would also need Oregon to beat Washington. And then at that point, the big debate is between Oregon and Georgia. Because a one lost Florida State, they're not getting in. And then you're debating upon if Oregon should get in or if Georgia should get in. And that's a tough argument. I mean, there is going to be some tough conversations had on that Sunday, if Alabama does indeed beat Georgia, I mean, that's that's the committee's worst nightmare is for Alabama to go in there and beat Georgia because all hell is going to break loose. I mean, heck, yeah. there's even going to be conversations of should Ohio state get put in? Because I mean, it happened last year. Ohio state was not in the big 10 championship game last year, but they got put into the college football playoff. And I know it's different situations, but it has happened before. And there's going mean, to, there's going to be some tough conversations. That's why every time someone asks me this question, I'm like, as the way I see it, you got to take care of business regardless. Who, who care? Like, you have to win, anyways. You have to view it as that. You do not have, you, you cannot view this game of, oh, well, Georgia's been great all year, so a loss, it really shouldn't matter. We're one of the four best teams. Freaking win, and it doesn't matter. You win, and you don't have to have this conversation. You win, you're the number one seed, regardless.
1: Yeah. Uh, real quick, Dan, the, the, the committee, you may say that they want two Big Ten teams. I don't see a scenario where you get two Big Ten teams this year because I don't see the same thing as I don't see you getting two SEC teams in this year either. Like I, I, I just don't think it would happen in this situation because of everything the way it stacks up. So you got Michigan playing against Iowa on Saturday. That's like you said. A, that's a win for Michigan. The biggest game is going to be Washington and Oregon, and the winner of that game is in. So we got two teams right there. And I know you just talked through this, but this is I'm going to talk through my part of it as well. Uh, You got Texas playing Oklahoma State, right? That is, they're not even playing Oklahoma. The team they lost to this year, they didn't even make the Big 12 championship game. They're out. So it's Oklahoma State that they're playing. Uh, I think I'm going to leave them on the outs for a second. I'm not going to count that as one of my in teams right now because I think it comes down to Georgia and FSU of whether or not they can get in. Because if Georgia wins, obviously they're in. If FSU wins, they're in. So Texas is out. But let's say that. You know, if Georgia were to lose that game, I I think FSU is in. I'm going to put them as a third team, real quick, because I don't see them losing to Louisville because they just beat Florida. You know, it was a close enough game for a while, but they they won that game. They covered the spread. I don't think they have a problem beating Louisville. Louisville just lost to Kentucky, so I'm going to put those three teams as my three teams, I've got four fingers up, three teams that I have in right now. So that last finger, the last team is going to go between, if Georgia wins, they're in. There's no question about it. But if Georgia were to lose, Texas is in. At that point, Texas is in. Because Texas would be a Big 12 champion. They beat Bama. And like you said a minute ago, they have to acknowledge the head-to-heads. Otherwise, why are we even playing football games at this point? They are in. And so that's your four teams. So Georgia and Bama get left out. Ohio State gets left out. Um, even Oregon, I think, gets left out at that point. Or no, I put them in already. I'm sorry. I was looking at my my phone and I got distracted. So the, one of those teams would be in. But I think Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State get left out in that scenario unless Louisville were to lose. If Louisville does not loo- or win in that game over Florida State, if Louisville does not beat Florida State, then those are my four teams. That's that's how it's going to go, because I don't see Texas losing to Oklahoma State at this point. Like I said, they're not even playing Oklahoma that they lost to this season. Mm
2: -hmm. One thing that I will note about this Georgia Alabama game, and it's one thing that I really admire about Kirby Smart and I really admire about this football team is, you know, the end goal, of course, is to win a national title. And that that is what you want to end up doing. That is what you want to be crowned as ultimately at the end of the season. Nothing else matters as long as you're hoisting up the trophy at the end of the season. That's all anybody cares about. But SEC championships are a huge deal to this team. You know, I remember Keiris Jackson talking about it a year ago where he was like, I've never won an SEC championship game. This is a year after winning a national title. And he said, I've never won the SEC title. And that's something that I want to do. And Kirby said it this year. He, He talked about how people do not realize how big of a deal it is to win the SEC. And I think the team acknowledges that. I think Kirby Smart acknowledges that. And that is something that they strive for. They want it so desperately and so badly. And, of course, winning the SEC puts you in a great position in the playoff as well. But they are hungry every single year to get the SEC title. And, of course, it's sugar on top that you get to play Alabama and that you would do it against Alabama. But I I think that these guys are highly motivated. And not, I don't want to make any excuses for it, but in 2021, the whole talking point – for us was, oh, well, it doesn't matter what happens to Georgia. Just keep it close enough, and you're going to be in the playoff, and we're going to be all right. That was the whole talking point. I think you kind of saw that on the field a little bit. They kind of went into that football game, whether they admit it or not, of kind of the feeling of, ah, it doesn't really matter what happens. We're we're, we're going to be playing the playoff. This year, it's not like that. I mean, it is win-or-go-home football from here on out for every single team that is playing this weekend and for the and for the remainder of the season in the college football playoff. So, Big, big game on Saturday. I just, when the dogs have to show up, when they have to play these big games, they've shown it this year where they've struggled a little bit. But in those three weeks where they really had to show up, in those four weeks where they really had to make it matter, boy, they've played some really damn good football. And I, that's kind of the Georgia that I'm expecting on Saturday. But at the same time, that's the same Alabama that I'm expecting as well.
1: So that is exactly where I sit. And I was thinking about it after watching the game yesterday. Uh, I thought back through the season. And I thought back through the past couple of seasons and I looked at it like this and said, anytime Georgia has needed a big game, anytime Georgia's needed to step up, you know, you got Ohio State last year. You're going to have to score a lot of points. You got to outscore them because that team is going to put points up on your great defense. And last year's defense was better than this year's defense for Georgia. You needed you knew they were going to score. C.J. Stroud was picking you apart. Your offense had to be able to answer to help them. They did it. You know, you had this year, a couple times this year, you had Auburn game. You needed – you were down late in the game. You had to make that comeback and win. You know, uh, South Carolina had you for a little while in the game. Missouri was challenging you against uh, – on this season. Uh, big game you needed, you know, going into Ole Miss and then Tennessee. Like, big game. You had top ten matchups kind of thing before you got into Tennessee. That one wasn't top ten. But you needed a big game against Ole Miss to kind of show the world. And so the college football playoff finally put you in first place after you beat Ole Miss and then you needed to continue to show that you were a dominant team against a big opponent on the road in Knoxville against Tennessee, and you did it. I th- and then now you get kind of a week in between where it's like you expect – everybody expects you to beat Georgia Tech by a lot, and maybe you know you start resting some players that are dealing with some nagging injuries and things like that, and then the game kind of gets up on you a little bit. I think Georgia goes into Saturday very, very much motivated in knowing that they – are capable of playing a good game and they will play a good game to go up against Alabama. But like you said, Alabama will do the same. They they're coming off of a not good game, that they should have lost against Auburn last week. They've got something to prove this week. And they know that this is a must win situation for them. If they lose or two lost team, they have a 0% chance of making the college football playoff. If they win, yes, there's some things that need to happen to get them in, but they at least give themselves the opportunity for the committee to make a decision. They make it hard for the committee, Georgia, if you lose, you've got to have now you're relying on the fact that the committee has to make a hard decision. And I just went through who the teams I think would get in over you. Unless Texas loses, I don't think you're going to have a chance. And if that and that happens, if Texas loses, then Alabama's going to slip in because they beat you. You would need Texas and Florida State to lose for you to be able to get in if you don't win this game. So I think everything is on the line for this game. They know how much is at stake. They're going to go out there and play their best football. And that's what I expect from Kirby Smart' coach team over the past couple of years. When they need a game, they're going to give it to you. And this one has all the writing on the wall that if you lose, you are sitting out and there won't be an SEC team in the uh, in the playoffs this year, which
2: is crazy to think about, but it's true. Something interesting to note too is, you know, Carson Beck, I think he would love to add an SEC title next to his name as a starting quarterback. You know, he has the rings and he has an SEC title last year as a backup, but also he was once committed to Alabama. He was once going to go play for the University of Alabama. At least I believe that is correct. During his recruitment process, he was at one point committed to Alabama and then he switched his commitment and decided to go play at the University of Georgia. So there's quite a bit of emotion and something to prove for himself as well going into this game. as, well. And that's kind of been the whole thing with Carson this year. It's like he has played this entire season. Like this is what I have been waiting to do. I have yeah. been itching and waiting to get my turn to show everybody just what they have been missing out on in 15 and that this is my team too. And I'm a freaking good quarterback as well. And I want my name in the same history books that we put Stetson Bennett in as well. And he has earned every right to put that um, put his name in that um, in that same tier. And now it's just a matter of you got to finish the drill and you get to actually do it. So really excited for this weekend. You got anything else to add Stoddard? No, I think that's good for me. Okay. Well, first off, Dan, you're never going to see me with a beard like stoddards. I just can't rock it. That's not my vibe. I'm not going to do it. So spoiler alert, you're never going to see it. This is about as much as you're going to get with me. All right. Um, Anyways, (laughs) like, and subscribe. If you haven't already guys do all that good stuff for you. Thank you for showing up. Even though we took the last two weeks off And we always appreciate you guys seeing new faces too, in the comments. We love seeing you guys interact, conversate with each other throughout the show as well. Even as, even if it isn't directly correlated to what we're talking about, we love seeing you guys interact. It does a great um, deal of support for us. So keep on showing up for us. Hopefully we'll have some more good football games to talk about after next week. And next Sunday, we'll be talking about who Georgia is facing in the college football playoff. But do all that good stuff for us. Like, subscribe, follow us on social media. Which Stoddard will be dropping right below right now. Look at there. There's the apps right there. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. And Stoddard, you can close us out. Yeah, hey, as
1: always, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... (laughs) which express the sentiments of the entire Bulldog Nation.